David mentioned it earlier in this interview that there was so much pressure on a stepmom yes. that doesn't exist for a stepdad. So if Martin does something, everybody cheers by, whoa, he's so fantastic. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> well, a stepmom, she could do like everything and then she misses something and then she's a bad stepmom. So. Yeah. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 140 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. So what's going on with you, David? I'm recovering. From? I don't know. The flu. Oh. Fluvid. Poor thing. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't get tested for COVID, so I don't know if that's what it was. So I don't. I'm not going to be one of these people that goes around and tells people I had it when I know, when I don't really know if I did or didn't. Yeah. You've been sick. Today will be a week, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's been a week, which I feel pretty good for the most part. It's, um, I'm just really tired still. And uh, so I find it, it's harder to concentrate on things because if I sit still too long, I start, you know, getting really tired where I want to go to sleep. <laughs> Um, other than that, it's not, not too bad. The, the body aches are gone. That was the most annoying part. Yeah. So, but I can breathe and I can smell, I can taste and all those other things that people complain about COVID with. So either I didn't have COVID or I'm one of the lucky ones. I don't know which. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to respond to that. (laughs) Well, we have actually had some winter weather here in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, we had an ice storm. Mm-hmm. And this weekend, we had snow. Mm-hmm. We did. And I said to David, I said, have you looked outside? Because I love the snow. He said, no, I don't like it. <laughs> no, I am not a snow fan at all. And it's sad because the snow usually makes so many people happy. Does it? Yeah. Mm-mm. It just makes you sad. No, it doesn't make me sad. It's just like, ugh. You grumpy old man. It's like, it's just it's just nastiness in a different color. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I, I mean, it's it's n- nice and beautiful in the fact that, you know, everything's completely white and covered with snow. I get that, but it's just, it's going to turn and I get it. We live in the South, right? So you better look at it in the morning cause it's gone in the afternoon. And then it's just nothing but days of mud and mush and all the slag they put all over the road gets all over your car. And it's just the next month is going to be nothing but nasty because of this. That's, that's why I don't like it. But this was a good snow. It was like the snow they get out west. It was fluffy and packed good when you try to make a snowball. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even go out in it. I know you didn't. Like, I didn't care anything for it. I know, David. I know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a summertime person. Yes, we know. Well, let's talk about our guest today. All right. Bonus Papa and Bonus Mama. Oh, I remember them. Martin and Maria. 
Yeah. So Martin and Maria reached out to us. They have a Swedish podcast on blended families, and we decided to record one podcast and share it on both. Mm -hmm. So if there's a little confusion as to why we're talking about ourselves a lot in this, that's why. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it was like a dual interview. They were interviewing us, and we were interviewing them at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it was really nice to talk to them, and I was really impressed with their English. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when it was over with, they were like, I don't think we did very well. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm always impressed with people that can speak more than one language because I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I sometimes I understand enough of different languages to get by, but um, it's just never been a thing for me. Now, you know, computer languages I can understand, but not, <laughs> not human languages. i struggle with different accents sometimes yeah well i would you know from the south though there's all these you could say there's different languages within of course we call them dialects but honestly if you're not from around these these parts even people speaking english to you you may not understand what they're saying yeah i've got a friend actually in california that when i talk to him i have to focus Mm-hmm. He speaks English, but he speaks really, really, really fast. And, I said, oh, no, 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 no. and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, slow down. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. from the South, we're kind of slow. Well, it's probably a good thing we talk slow because when you look at some of the words we come up with and run together, um, <laughs> if we were speaking fast, you would not be able to keep up. That's true. Good point, David. Good point. I know. So let's talk about Martin and Maria briefly. They met in 2015. They moved in together 2016. Got married 2019. Maria has four bio kids. And Martin has zero bio kids. All right. But he's got four stepkids. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so we talked to them a little bit about nachoing. And there's a big difference because when... Maria and Martin got married. She told him, I want you to play the role of their father. Mm. I want you to give 50-50 into this. Right. And it works for them. But the more we talk to them, we realize that he didn't jump straight into that role. Right. He eased into that role. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Like If, if somebody were to look at our relationship today— in your relationship with the kids today, they would probably say they're not practicing what they preach. <laughs> you know, they're not following the nacho kids method uh, because you've already done the hard work and you've built the relationships. And so you're on the other side of the problems that a lot of people are experiencing that nacho kids helps them with initially. Exactly. So I don't want to get too much into this. We'll let y'all listen to the episode. But before I forget, we have two, well, make that three announcements. Mm -hmm. Last week, I think we forgot to announce the scholarship winner. So we are going to announce two scholarship winners. Cool. The winners of these two scholarships of the Linda Dunham Scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy are Jess P., and Shell D. All right. Jess and Shell. 
Congratulations. Congratulations. Check your email, and we will get you started in the Nacho Kids Academy, courtesy of Linda Dunham. Thank you, Linda Dunham. And our next announcement is April the 29th and 30th of this year, we are going to be with Laura Petheridge at a couples event for blended families. Where's that going to be? In Fort Worth, Texas. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw, y'all. <laughs> All right. So for those of you who are somewhere near that area or want to go to that area, come on out. I'll let you buy me a drink. And this is a faith-based <laughs> event. Just thought we would let you know. All right. Um, so, David, don't be drinking. Duh. Uh, I mean, you know, water, Coke. Come on now. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just because it's faith-based don't mean you can't drink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it just means you don't talk about it the next day. Is that what it is? <laughs> like, I'm we taking communion. What are you talking about? <laughs> David. <laughs> All right, y'all. Before David and his sick self gets off the chain, we will let you go and <laughs> get into this podcast. First, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. We're Martin and Maria Allanson, and uh, we have a blended family uh, since almost six years. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And we have a blended family for 12 years. Mm. Sure, it's not 120. Yeah, 120. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you describe yourself and, and your family? How many kids and, and uh, what do you work with and so forth? So I have four boys. Three of them are triplets. And um, my oldest is 23, and the triplets are 21. So three 21-year-olds and a 23-year-old. And then Lori has a son who's 16. So we have a, a house full of boys. So are they still living at home? No. Right now, the only one living at home is Jackson, which is Lori's son, the 16-year-old. And all four of my boys have moved out and moved on to the next stage in their life. I have three of them that are serving in the uh, United States military and one that is not. And <laughs> <laughs> the ones in the military, uh, one of them is is getting out in 2022. The other one may get out next year. We're not sure yet, but they're going to, you know, over the next couple of years or so, they're going to start you know, boomeranging and coming back. <laughs> okay. Now they're coming back though with uh, you know, one of them, my oldest one, he's married now and he's got his own kid. So, you know, they, they go out by themselves and they come back with more. <laughs> so it's only Jackson living at home. Yes. Right. I, I, I have been listening to your podcast and I listened to the episode number 100 and I was told that Jackson is, he's just five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's only five. <laughs> yeah, they still talk about that. Anytime Jackson would do anything, I'd say, he's only five. He's only five. And and you met when he was four or five and the triplets was maybe eight, nine? Let's see, we got married when Jackson was four. 
So the triplets were nine and Avery was just turned 11. The oldest had just turned 11. Yeah. So I've, I've been in Jackson's life since he was three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and the youngest here, I first met her when she was five and a half. And uh, her dad has now moved uh, 500 kilometers north. So uh, she lives uh, here full time, maybe since uh, spring of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the teenagers, their dad, biological dad lives uh, only a couple of kilometers from us but the oldest live here full time they are 18 and 19 and the 17 year old maybe every other day or so she travels he, back and forth yes. on her own by herself okay so i don't have any biological kids i'm only a, a bonus dad but uh, the kids uh, have two different dads and and two different situations. So Maria, what is your relationship like with your exes? Do y'all co-parent well? Well, it has been uh, uh, about 10 years we've been separated, or is it more? I don't remember. (laughs) And uh, one of the dads, it works good enough. And one of the dads, he doesn't exist for me. So it's, it's different. Is the one that doesn't exist the one that moved 400 miles or 400 kilometers away? Yeah. And that was the final drop that made him not exist, kind of. Because yes. we had uh, a time when my daughter lived one week with him and one week with me. Uh, but it was for just like a year or so. And and I was kind of in the middle there. And uh, when she... Um, lived every other week. She also had a, a bonus mom and we could um, manage uh, some practical things in, in her lives, which um, things she uh, would have to bring to school when she had um, gymnastics and which clothing to bring back to us. And uh, we could text message me, the bonus dad, to her bonus mom. Uh, be- because it wasn't so infected with a lot of feelings uh, then. Right. So you kind of took over the communication. You and the stepmom, well, you don't say stepmom, the bonus mom took over communication because Maria and the ex couldn't communicate very well. Yes. So it's almost, if if I understand the natural kids, maybe it's sort of the other way around that that we <laughs> we want to have or at least I want to have a responsibility and try to be almost as if we were a nuclear family. And it might be easier because I don't have any biological kids of my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish David would have dealt with my ex. (laughs) (laughs) It was was good for a while, actually, but now it's a different um, situation and he separated from uh, my daughter's stepmom we can say stepmom <laughs> in this and now he lives with another woman but since he lives so far away she she's not like a parent or anything to my daughter mm-hmm. and we actually started our podcast in the summer of 2017 that was our first thing and then later we we also started a, a facebook group so a bit also there uh, another way around just to talk for ourselves and then 
we started also making interviews with uh, professionals like psychologists and uh, uh, also normal parents and mm -hmm. uh, also quite a bit like celebrities, musicians and uh, actors. And uh, a lot of people in Sweden live in, in blended families. Uh, we, we have noticed. So nobody is alone <laughs> in that sense. Yes, exactly. There are more blended families now, I believe, than nuclear families. Mm. Yeah. And, and when and why did you create uh, your natural kids method? Well, two years after David and I got married, we were about to get divorced because things were not going well at all. We were miserable. The kids were miserable. Everybody was miserable. And we went to a counselor I knew, and he told me, Lori, they're not your kids. Well, of course I knew that. But that's all he would say to me. I would say something similar to, I don't want their teeth to fall out of their head, you know, because I would tell them to brush their teeth. And he would say, they're not your kids. And I'd say, I know, but I don't want them to grow up and be unproductive adults. And he'd say, they're not your kids. And that's all he said to me. And we left and David and I were in the car and I was making fun of the fact that the counselor only said, they're not your kids. And in our Southern dialect, I said, they are not your kids. <laughs> and we started laughing, which was probably the first time we had laughed in months. And then it hit me that they were not my kids. And me trying to parent them only caused problems for them and for me and for David. It was almost like I was the catalyst that was driving the family apart. Mm -hmm. Of course, I was doing what I was doing out of love, but they didn't see it that way. They saw it. I was doing it as a way to replace their mom or to be the evil stepmother, things of that nature. She was a good evil stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> so once I started doing what is now called nachoing, I stepped back and nachoing is not just disengaging. It is re-engaging with the stepkids in a non-parental role. So I started stepping back and if they asked me something, I would tell them to go ask their dad. And I was not involved in any parenting, any discipline. Of course, if they hurt my son, I would remove him from the situation and let David handle it. But when we realized how much it helped us, and considering we were on the verge of divorce, I created a secret Facebook group and started helping other stepmoms. I would find them in Facebook groups where they would say, I don't love my stepkids, and other stepparents would attack them and tell them how horrible they were. And I would message them and ask them to join my group. And they would join my group. And the next thing you know, they were having success too. So we decided, hey, we've got to share this with the world because it truly saved our relationship. It allowed me to have a relationship with my stepkids that I never thought would be possible. And it actually allowed my son to have relationships with the stepbrothers. Mm -hmm. When you started using this technique, the Nacho Kids technique, mm -hmm. did you tell the kids something or was this something between you and David, Laurie? I didn't tell them anything. I just stepped back. But they must notice. Yeah, they noticed. 
Okay, yes. Yeah, so for instance, and a lot of people think this is extreme, when they would come in from being at their mom's for a week, I would not say hello to them. And a lot of people say, well, you're the adult. You should say hello. But if I said hello to them and they didn't respond, it made me mad. And then it made me mad at David for not making them respond. So I didn't say hello to them. And it eased the tension in the home. Of course, if they said hey to me, I acknowledged them. I didn't completely ignore them. I just did not engage in any interaction that could result any negative interaction between me and them. You didn't set yourself up for a disappointment. Right. Now, granted, we did have the kids the first two years more. We had them 11 out of 14 days. And then David and his ex switched to 50-50. And ironically, that's when things seemed to get worse. So how was David's relationship with your son? Did it change very much or was it about the same? It stayed the same. David really didn't need to nacho my son. Because I'm awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Because Jackson was so young, he didn't have that you're not my dad mentality. Yeah, it it seems the younger the kids are when a step-parent comes into their life, the easier it is, at least initially, because they don't have a lot of understanding of what the nuclear family used to look like. And so there's not as much pushback in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of dynamics around that. And and I think too, most of the time men have an an easier time dealing with step family stuff because we just inherently can ignore things, (laughs) (laughs) I guess is the way to put it. You know, we can block things out easily and, and just, you know, act like we're not listening or whatever. So that tends to help stepdads if if things are going kind of crazy like we just block it out <laughs> yeah we, we can relate to that <laughs> yeah we can block the women out too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and two with jackson being so young i was on top of things for lack of a better word so if he did something wrong david didn't have to jump in and even if he did something wrong david may not look at it as him doing something wrong but i did because you know, just that motherly thing. Yeah, like she would say, don't jump on the couch. And I said, what was wrong with that? That's yeah. why it's got springs in it, so you can jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he never really disciplined Jackson. I would say the older Jackson got, David did have to step back a little more when Jackson and I would start arguing about something. If David stepped in, what it did was take my focus off of what Jackson did wrong and turned it to, how dare you talk to my son like that? So it moved the target from Jackson's bad actions to David trying to take over. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that you would run a tighter ship, so to speak? That that you are more of a disciplinarian than David? With his kids, I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was fixing to say, don't even try it. <laughs> no, um. I'm more of a helicopter parent, I guess you would say, where I didn't want Jackson jumping on the couch or running through the house. I was afraid he would get hurt. Whereas David was more of, oh, let's pretend this is a gym and everybody just do whatever. Let's have fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I do have guilty parent syndrome, which I admit. 
I think that if David and I had a child together, that child would walk a tightrope. Yeah. Mm. And and do you think in such a blended family that Nacho Kids, it works then? And do you think it's in another blend you have to to shift the method or, or um, alter it in some way? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a silver bullet. There's nothing out there that works for everybody. And this is just another methodology that a lot of people have found that works for them. It's not for everybody. There are some people that don't have a lot of the same issues. Like they get along great with the stepkids. They get along great with the other biological parents and step parents. And so they look at this and go, I don't understand why there has to be this divide. This, yeah, this stepping back period. And there has to be a, almost like two families living in the same home and they, they don't get it. And that's okay. It's not for them. I guess you could say, thank goodness you don't have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But there are as many different types of families as there are different types of people. And so you're going to find a number of people that this is a lifesaver for, and then you're going to find other people that they, ha- they have no clue as to why this is necessary. And, and even sometimes they can talk bad about the the methodology and how dare you, you know, not treat your kids like your own and things like that. And and that's okay. They don't understand it. But for those people that do understand it and they're in that fight and struggle day to day just to make it to the next day, it's a godsend. And it's mm. it's definitely fluid. There were some days that with certain kids, I mean I had four to choose from that one would come in and he would just have a bad attitude. Well, I was definitely going to nacho him more that day than the other three that were pleasant. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we say that Branson, he's the oldest triplet, was the ringleader to get me and my son out of the house. He would actually call David and say, has she left yet? <laughs> <laughs> but he and I have a great relationship now. And when we had him on the podcast, David asked him what our relationship was like now. And he said more of a best friend. Oh, mm-hmm. that's great. And I think that's one thing people lose sight of is that the goal of Nacho Kids is to re-engage in a role that is much better, much more pleasant for everyone where you can make a positive impact in somebody's life. That is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to just step back and be done. Uh, it's really to redefine your your new family so that everybody is comfortable and everybody enjoys everyone else and it, and it works. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a group on Facebook where we get people who write in their problems. And most problems are the one that you describe, maybe a step-parent who uh, think that they have too much responsibility. And then I can surely see that the nacho method would be uh, great. But then we also have the other way around when they have deaf kids that wants a closer relationship, but they are not ready for it. How can the nacho kids method work if you have uh, a kid that wants a closer relationship with you than you are willing to give? I'm looking at David and he's looking at me. Uh, I've talked (laughs) enough. It's your turn. (laughs) You know, we have found that anytime one of the parties, whether it's the kid or the step parent, if they're not ready for that relationship, you can't force it. You didn't date 
or Martin didn't date your kids. He dated you. Mm. So for him to build a bond with those kids is going to take time. And if the kids are wanting more of a relationship with the step parent and the step parent's not comfortable with it, then you have to kind of find that happy medium where the step kid doesn't feel like he's being pushed away and the step parent doesn't feel like they're being forced to have a relationship with the kid. So for instance, we have a lady that we work with that her step kid loves her to death. Anytime she's not there, the child's like, where is she? Where is she? She started doing stuff, hobby type things on the weekends that the step kid was there. It gives her a break and it gives the stepkid a long time with the bio parent. So when she does come home, she's more happy to see the child versus being there constantly and the child clinging on her. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. And do you get a lot of questions regarding when the biological parent isn't at home? Maybe he or she has to work for a weekend or, or travel and Can you just leave the discipline for a couple of days? And isn't that hard then for the bonus parent? Well, there's different ways to handle that. There was a point in time that David could not leave his kids alone with me. Even if I was home, I couldn't leave them alone. Right. <laughs> Because it just it went bad. And so if he left and came back, It would be me telling him one thing that happened, the kids telling him something different, and he didn't know who to believe. I mean, you want to believe your kids. You want to believe your wife. So it just caused problems. So he did not leave me alone with the kids. And we suggest if, for instance, if David was going out of town, then he sits down with the kids and there are house rules and consequences. They're not David's rules. They're not my rules. They're house rules and consequences. And he explains to them in his absence that he's asked me to make sure they follow the house rules and consequences. So if they do something wrong, I would say, remember, your dad told me that if you broke the house rules that for me to implement the consequence. Now, granted, it's better if the dad can implement or the bio parent can implement the consequence instead of the step parent. But we know that's not always possible. So he's the law and you're the police or judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to to really help when you look at this is to to look at two different roles. You have a, a role of responsibility and a role of accountability. And you can hand off responsibility, but you can't hand off accountability. So as the biological parents, I'm accountable for my kids. And if you don't believe that, if they were you know, 13 years old and committed a crime, they're, the police are going to come talk to me. They're not going to talk to Lori because <laughs> she's not their parent. Mm -hmm. And so you start to really quickly understand how you can be accountable for your kid. But when it comes to responsibility, you can delegate responsibility. So if I'm going out of town and I need to delegate some responsibility of parenting to Lori, I can do that, but I am still at the end of the day held accountable for the parenting. So mm -hmm. I have to decide how I want that to look. And for us, for a long time, it was, you know, Lori, if they do something wrong, you let me know and I'll handle it when I get home. 
it, there's a, a lot of things don't have to be handled immediately. Mm-hmm. Unless the kids are fighting or something like that. If, if the kid's not doing their chores, she doesn't have to do anything immediately. They, it can wait until I get home. It's, it's almost like I would be a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's important, I think, a lot of people will get offended with that. I'm not a babysitter. Well, if you can kick into babysitter mentality, it will help things so much. Because if I was the babysitter, when David came home, I wouldn't tell him 72 things the kids did wrong. I would tell him the important things that he may want to address. For instance, little Johnny was chasing little Susie with a knife. <laughs> you know, what's wrong things, with that? What's yeah. wrong with that? <laughs> I wouldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. But it also, if you kick into that babysitter mentality, you don't take things personally. Mm. The the big danger to that, and and this is a, a thing that we figured out because we did it wrong, was that you also don't want to start telling the biological parent every single thing that's going wrong all the time because there was a a time frame where Lori and I most of our conversations was about your kids didn't do this your kids didn't do that they did this they made me late for work they wouldn't get out of bed on time and so that's all we would talk about and well, so in my defense there were four there was a lot to talk about <laughs> <laughs> and so it became where all of our conversations were negative conversations. It was negative things about the kids, negative things about our relationship. So I got to the point where I didn't even want to have a conversation. And our communication suffered greatly because we couldn't communicate about things that were positive. We were always mm-hmm. fussing about things. And so it, it really hurt our relationship for a period of time because of that. And, you know, I feel like this is a good point to or a good time to mention that when my son and his kids would get in an argument or something, I was quick to step in. And then David's response to his kids were just leave him alone, don't have anything to do with him. So by us doing that, we were preventing my son and his kids from forming that brotherly type relationship. Because his kids would think, I'm not playing with him. I get hollered at every time I do. So did the relationship between the boys become better after you started using the Nacho Kid technique? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now they, I would say they consider him a biological brother for the most part. I mean, there's four, you know, like I said, I got four kids, so they all look at everybody differently. My oldest, I would say he treats Jackson as, I don't know that I'd say a brother necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, not necessarily a brother, more more like a a cousin. You came along with the package. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a cousin, something like that. But um, I, I was thinking some kind of malnourished dog. But you know, yeah. But I'd say the trip the triplets are different. They they treat Jackson like he's a brother, and they you know if I'm on the phone with them, they're hey, where's Jackson at? Or if, you know if one of them happened to come over, or, you know they're asking about Jackson, what he's doing. They they communicate with him through social media. Yeah, I'll say something to Jackson. I'll say, well, Branson, blah, blah. He's like, I know. I talked to him. And I'm so thankful because my son, of course, he has no other brothers. He's got the, we call them the brothers. But I was afraid that when they left, that that relationship would end and that Jackson would just be by himself. And I remember talking to Branson one time and I said, I know this is a lot for me to ask you, but please stay in touch with Jackson. 
And he does. And it's not because I asked him to. It's because he likes picking on them. They they have this good relationship, and they enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And the Nacho Kids method, does it include that you don't have any contact with each other's exes? It depends. You know, the thing about the Nacho Kids method is you nacho the things that cause you stress. So David's ex, I don't care for her. I have nothing to do with her. If I see her, I'm cordial. I may say, hey, but I never got involved in things with texting her or anything like that. (laughs) There was one time that I texted her because... The kids came home to us on Sunday night and said, we've got a book report to you tomorrow. And we said, okay, let's write about it. Well, we haven't read the book. They were with their mom all week. So I was mad. And this was (laughs) pre-Nacho. I texted her and I said, what in the world are you thinking sending those kids here after they've been with you for a week and they haven't read this book that they have a book report for? She said, well, how did you know that they had a book report to you? I said, the same way you should have known by looking at their school stuff. Yeah. So she turned it around with the kids that I was being mean to her and all this. So that was the only time that I contacted her. But David doesn't interact with my ex. But if, you know, if he and my ex had a good relationship, or if me and my ex had a good relationship, then there would be no need for David to nacho him. Have there been times when you, David, has regretted the nacho kid method? No. Maybe you wanted Lori to take more responsibility. (laughs) No, there's, I mean, I know there might be some people that, you know, they may do things that they feel some regret with, but um, no, there's, there's nothing that, that I have found that I've, I've regretted with this. It's been so much better. I, I can't, there's no way I can describe on a podcast how bad our relationship was at that one point. And so for us to get where we are today, if you would have even told me when we were going through those things that we could possibly have the relationship we have today, I'd say you were, you were out of your mind. It couldn't happen. There was so much damage to the relationship that I didn't think it was repairable, not just for me and her, but the kids and, and all that. I just, I really thought that this was, just not possible. So no, I don't, I don't have any regrets on it. It was so bad that I felt like David wanted me to die. (laughs) And I know that sounds horrible, but I remember thinking he would just be happier if I was dead. The kids would be happier. The in-laws would be happier. Everybody would be happier because there wouldn't be this stress. Yeah, She had so much stress that she almost started having medical issues, health issues. Well, I did have medical issues, but the doctor thought I had pancreatic cancer because of my symptoms. Yeah. And she'd lost a ton of weight. I mean, she looked like a walking skeleton. It was terrible mm-hmm. how bad mm-hmm. she looked. Don't worry, though. I've gained all that plus more back. <laughs> <laughs> but stress will kill you. Yes, stress will kill you. So, Lori, when you started doing this not show method, what did you do instead? I mean, it has to be hard in the beginning. When you bit your tongue or just walked out and scream, or what did you do? It was very hard for me to keep my mouth shut because I'm very opinionated. Mm -hmm. But I started doing what I should have been doing in the first place. I focused on my relationship with David, and I focused on my relationship with my son. Because unfortunately, 
when I was so focused on what his kids were doing wrong and that he needed to correct them, I wasn't focusing as much on my son. Yeah. And the kids, did they get the bonus siblings on their other sides with your exes? Not with my son. Well, his dad's had several relationships that the girlfriend has had kids, but they didn't last very long. And David's ex, she married. <laughs> we don't know what she's doing. Yeah, we don't know what she's doing. But <laughs> she did get married at some point, and then divorced, and then married again to the same guy. So I don't, I don't know what she's doing now. But he does have, I think, a couple of kids. But I don't know that there's any relationship there at all. And Maria, I'm sorry. I think I stopped answering your question. If David was in the room and the kids were doing something, and I felt like that something needed to be said about their behavior or something they said, and he didn't say anything, I would just walk out of the room, not storm out of the room. I would walk out of the room. I would either go start doing laundry, something to distract me, or I would just change my focus. A lot of times I would go watch House Hunters International (laughs) because that helped me not to sit there and be mad that David wasn't parenting like I thought he should. Well, and that's a good point to bring up too, is that a lot of step families have a a lot of stress around somebody else not parenting the way they think they should. Mm-hmm. And we we see this a lot where the for example, a stepmom will say, Well, he's not correcting little Johnny the way I think he should, or or the stepdad may say something similar. And trust me, I don't know that I've ever ran into a step family where both of them say, no, we're both doing exactly what we thought the other one would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's tends to be always that. I mean, even today I see things happening with Lori and Jackson when I go, man, I, she really should probably handle that differently. It doesn't mean that she handled it wrong. It's just my opinion of how I think it should have been different, but she knows her son better than I do. It's her responsibility and she's accountable for that. And so I just have to be okay with it. Now, I know some people are going, well, what if they don't parent at all? That's their choice. Yeah, that's, again, it, that's the issue. So the issue is not that the stepkids are crazy and mean and all this. The issue is that you have somebody who's not parenting. And oftentimes, they're not parenting because somebody else has done all the parenting for them. And sometimes that's the step parent. They come in and they... They see all these issues and they're like, look, I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to be super step parent. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then the biological parent just steps back, which is the complete opposite of Nacho. The biological parent steps back and says, cool, you do it. You handle it all. I'm good. And And then the step parent gets burnt out and stressed and it causes issues. Yeah. And so then they, they create their own problems because they've, they've reversed the roles of accountability and responsibility to where they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And hobbies are great. When you're not showing, hobbies are great. Because for me, I would paint what I call granny ceramics. (laughs) And I could just get so into painting that as long as the kids didn't hit the table and mess me up, I didn't care what they did. (laughs) I could tune them out. And it's something that I enjoyed. It was a stress reliever for me. And now you have this... Not Show Kid Academy, where you teach these things to other families. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was something that grew. But in the beginning, how did you tell yourself, 
this is what I should be doing. Did you have influence from somewhere else or did you just came up with this not sure kid method on your own? Well, we of course we came up with the method on our own. Well, the influence, I guess, came from the counselor telling me they're not your kids. But when we saw the success that people were having in my secret Facebook group, we decided to have a open Facebook group. And we realized quite quickly that you cannot teach the Nacho Kids method when you've got thousands of members in a group. You have so many people in the Facebook group that they don't really want help. They just want to complain. There are people that they don't want to think that they could be part of the problem. And a lot of the Nacho Kids method is realizing your contribution to the issues. Yeah, nobody's without fault normally. (laughs) Right. So we decided, hey, let's create this Nacho Kids Academy. And the people that really want help, they can join and we will help them with courses. And we've got the Nacho Kids Boot Camp and a self-love challenge and a change your stinking thinking challenge. And then we do Q&A coaching calls. And there's also an anonymous community where you don't have to worry about somebody screenshotting something on Facebook and sending it to your spouse or your ex. And it's just, it's night and day between the Facebook group. So we really are thankful that the Nacho Kids Academy has had such great success. Yeah. Yeah. And could you, or have you already tried to use this philosophy in another group? I mean, like a not your work or not your business. <laughs> if, if you then focus on not bringing up all those negative responses and and only focusing on the positive, maybe mm. that could be successful outside a family. When I started not showing, I realized that is something that I can apply to pretty much every aspect of my life, not just the blended family. I would not show things at work. I would nacho Walmart. I still nacho Walmart. I hate Walmart. (laughs) So things that cause me stress, for instance, if you're driving down the road and somebody's riding your tail, that stresses you out. Well, you can get mad or you can pull over and let them go in front of you. And that's what I do now. Before I would get mad. Now I'll just pull over, let them go on their merry way. And then when I meet them at a red light or something, I'm like, oh, you got really far there, didn't you? (laughs) So it's really just lowering your stress. A lot of times it's putting things into perspective. For instance, yeah, the stepkid drew on the back of the couch, but at least the stepkid's not having a terminal illness to where they can't draw. And I know that seems extreme again, but you have to put things in perspective and you have to be able to find the positive in things. Because we are geared to automatically think negative because it's our brain's way of protecting us. So if we start thinking more positive and finding those positive things, it not only changes us, but it changes the people around us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Martin, you've given away one of our secrets, which is (laughs) when, when people are in the academy and we, after a while, we will see them say, you know what, this nachoing thing really is a way of life. And then we're like, bingo, you've got it. Mm -hmm. Because it does transcend the step family. And it's really not something that we've taken in saying, this only applies to the step family. That's how we're doing it. But people start seeing that, wow, these things, these techniques and, and these 
tools that we're giving them, they really do speak to a number of other areas in your life. And it does become a lifestyle. And there's a number of times outside of my step family where I have used a lot of these tools to, you know, to really kind of do an assessment of, do I really need to be saying anything at this moment? Because I know it's probably not going to change what's happening or it's going to cause me stress to get involved in it. Or it's going to cause you stress when the people you try to help with whatever you want to say, they're not going to listen in the first place. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, you think about work, you know, earlier we said, if the biological parent is not parenting the way you think they should, it's, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. Well, how many times have we been in a job and we're going, you know, if the boss man would just run the business like this, you have this idea of how you would do it differently and better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make the person that's running the business wrong. It's just different. But they also know things that you don't know. I mean, we certainly mm-hmm. do that in politics. We we all fuss about how we could run the country better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not always the case. So, yeah, it, it can and does transcend into every aspect of life. Yeah. So the Nasha Kid is kind of like, I know that in AA they say, let go and let God. So it's like, let go and let the bio parent. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but you yeah. still need God. Yeah. <laughs> the bio part is God. Is that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there there are so many steps to the method that a lot of people think it is just disengaging. And like I said before, it's not because you've got to become self-aware. You've got to learn to pause. Yeah. Well, we, we so often speak before we think. And if what we're going to say is not going to benefit anybody, why do it? Hmm. I, well, I think the AA analogy is perfect because some people think of AA is, you know, you just have to admit there's a problem mm-hmm. and then everything else falls into place. No, that's the first step is admitting there's a problem. And with nachoing, the first step is disengaging, but you can't stop there. You have to go through the entire process or you don't get the same benefit in the same way with AA. So that's a perfect example. And even mm-hmm. though I've re-engaged a lot with my stepkids, I still nacho certain things. Because I'm not their parent, and I know that I know them well enough to know where that boundary is. It's almost like you know at some point you're going to talk to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just say uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not getting involved in that. David can deal with it, or he can choose to let it go. That's his decision. But I also know that my stepkids know that I love them. And I would do anything for them. So if I do give them advice that could come across as parenting advice, they know that it's from a place of love, not a place of control or trying to be their parent. Yeah. And we are very happy to send out your thoughts to our listeners. And uh, maybe I think we, we have enough material and now we can let you fire away with questions <laughs> about our life and, and our methods. Because M- Maria actually lived in a blended family before me. And uh, when both parents had kids and then uh, got a, 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 child. a child together. <laughs> yes, but, uh, A human child. Yes. A, a human <laughs> child. I'm so proud of you, Maria, for having a human child. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, as opposed so, to. <laughs> so, and and I, I think... It, her experiences uh, in that family on and off for over six years. It's very different. 
Yes, and that led up to her telling me that she didn't want a blended family in that way. So what she told me was she wanted to try to live as if, as if we were a nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to take half the responsibility when we moved in together for the practical details, the economy, and also for all the the feelings, if if I could. (laughs) Right. And it's still my goal to, to live as if. Yes, uh, but it, that takes a very special man to do that. We know that that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But uh, my relationship before, it was kind of like he was not showing and I was not not showing. And that mix didn't mix well. I had three kids and he had one kid. And so when that ended, I didn't want my kids to go through not being seen again and not being noticed. That's why I told Martin, if you want in, you have to go all in or you're all out because I had nothing more to lose. So I was happy living on my own with my my kids. And if he wanted in, then he had to go all the way in. So and that would be the opposite of not showing. But I understand the natural method also. Maria actually tried to scare me (laughs) when we first started texting and we had one week of of texting before we actually met, even that we were living in the in the same city, Barberg, with maybe sixty thousand inhabitants, and uh, she said, "You know, I have four kids with two different fathers," <laughs> and she tried to scare me away. But, uh, <laughs> it didn't work because <laughs> no. I wasn't interested in another blended family, but uh, we did, and now six years later, and still going, so it worked. But it, it is a lot of work and, and you have to find your own methods sometimes, I think. So Martin, did your friend say, what are you thinking, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got a lot of positive feedback and, and they were impressed that I went from no kids and living just in my small apartment, working a lot at, at the newspaper. I'm a reporter, 25 years, to try to be a dad. So I think maybe it's easier for a man to have all those positive feedbacks trying to be a father. I don't think a stepfather has the same negative vibe because even if I don't do my half, it's still more than nothing. <laughs> and, and they... I think I think David mentioned it earlier in this interview that there was so much pressure on a stepmom. That doesn't exist for a stepdad. So if Martin does something, everybody shares by, whoa, he's so fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a stepmom, she could do like everything and then she misses something and then she's a bad stepmom. So yeah. Or or stepdad could do nothing. And there's like, well, what do you expect? And then, you know, stepmom does nothing like, oh, she's, she's a sorry woman. She won't step up and do anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sweden is, uh, I mean, it's a country where uh, most of of women work. We we don't have so many stay at home moms. No. And we have uh, a lot of fathers staying at home with their kids for maybe half a year because we get salary from the government, also the fathers to stay at home. Mm. Uh, oh, so, wow. so, I mean, we still have a, a very positive image of uh, men taking care 
of kids. But we still have a long, long way <laughs> <Yeah>. to go. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so, Maria, you were in a relationship. Yes. You and your husband split up and you had three kids at the time. Yeah. And then you got in another relationship. Yes. And he had one child. You had three kids and then you had a child together. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm curious how what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, Maria? <laughs> Did your husband, the last husband, sorry, I don't know how to phrase that. Number two. Yeah, number two. <laughs> Martin, you're number three. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> Third time's a charm. So so yeah. number two nachoed your kids, your three kids. Yes. And when you say nachoed, like he didn't really have a lot to do with them, kind of ignored them. Yeah, he his focus was on his son and then later partly on our kid. But it was very much his son. And uh, I don't know if he like even remembers how old the kids were. And it, it was hard for him to know the names. So it was just the kids. My three children was just the kids. Oh, so, gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit extreme. Yeah, that's that's. To us, that's not nachoing. That is no. being a douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Natural yeah. douching. Douching. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you didn't. You didn't get married, and you didn't live together. You you lived close to each other, and and it was more of on and off relationship sometimes. First husband, marriage, yes, and then we had we lived together and. And then I married Martin. So I wasn't married three times. That's what he was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> so how often did you have your kids? Or how often was your father of your hours kid? How often was he around your other kids? Oh, well, I think we had basically a 50-50 situation. He was living uh, rather far away from his son. But for, when he was still small, he could travel back and forth. But when he started school, that got harder. So sometimes he lived just with his mom and he went to school there. And then we tried him living with us and going to school here. So sometimes he met my kids more often than his own son. Okay. Do you know why he didn't try to have a relationship with your kids? Did they not like him? No, my kids liked him at first and uh, and they were very open to people. So I think it was just his personality. He wasn't dad material, <laughs> even though he gave birth to two. So like now, he has left both of his ch children mm -mm. here in Barbay, both the son and the daughter. Yeah, so he has left both his children here in Barbay with their... Moms? Yeah, <laughs> moms. Wow. Maria, do you still have contact with his son? Yes, we actually do. And my son... They meet regularly. They are working out right now. So my relationship with my former stepchild is much better now than it was back then. Because like Lori explained before, since there was so much focus on him and he getting away with a lot of things, then my children didn't like him at the time. But now afterwards, my son and him, have formed a relationship. So it, it was better when we lived separately. So now I have a, a relationship with him and also with his mom, actually, because she lives here in Varberg now. And uh, before his mother moved to Varberg, he lived uh, 
at our former place, maybe for six weeks during the summer. And I know that he and Maria's son call each other brothers, even though they have a mutual sister. Uh (laughs) They are not biologically related, but they still call each other brothers. And and that we find that uh, really nice. It's like a happy ending to a sad story. Yes, Mm. yes, definitely. When you met Martin, you were kind of like, ah, I really don't want to get into this blended crap again. Yes. (laughs) And so you knew what you were looking for. When Martin came in, did he start off disciplining your kids and being dad, or was that a slow process? It was kind of a slow process. At first, he was more like a funny dude, and (laughs) everyone liked him, and But then after a while, like after a year or two, I think, maybe the first year was the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Everybody liked yeah. together and, and we were getting, everything was so much better for the kids and for me and everything. So it was just like happy, happy pink clouds the first year. But then the second year, maybe the honeymoon was over and then we got through that. And now in year six, I think we have settled in our blended family. Our blend has blended, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I think it, what Maria did right <laughs> for me, really to tell it straight up and, and you have to go all in. And she also gave me the responsibility of uh, helping the youngest, that was five and a half, every uh, night when she had to go to bed. and also to get her up in the morning. So we got really tight then. Our relationship evolved through that. I made him do all the the hard work. (laughs) (laughs) She trained you well, Martin. (laughs) (laughs) And and I mean, because I didn't have any experience being a father before. Right. Right. Well, I think where, where you guys really did it right is that there was a transition period. Usually when there's a problem, it, it's typically traced back to the fact that everything went too quickly. And, and so, for example, me and Lori got married and it, and it was lo- almost like literally the next week. Okay, now you're going to start doing all this stuff. And mm-hmm. for me, that's kind of what I expected. Like I'm getting rid of their mom and, and putting Lori into place. So now she can be, you know, the mom. And, you know, what I come to realize is that the role of my wife was vacant, but the role of their mom was never vacant. And so it, no. that could, that was not a role exactly. that was there to be filled. And, um, and, and that, uh, that's what, you know, my expectations early on is really what kind of drove Lori to take actions that ended up being a problem. So it's not just the fact that, you know, she, came in and tried to take over and do all this stuff. It was also the fact that that's what I expected. And so I kind of pushed that to happen because that's the way I thought it's supposed to be. And it just didn't work out very well for us. And it, and it went too quickly. So I, I think that you guys taking it slowly was very, very helpful. I can really relate to that, that what you said, that Martin coming in to my, to our life, it, it helped me a lot, but the, the kids, had no vacancy for a parent in their life so this like I said first year was honeymoon second year was kind of bad and then but now we have landed one thing I do want to kind of go back 
and address is that you'd made a comment about your ex-husband completely ignoring your kids to the point where he didn't even know their names. I want to just make it perfectly clear that that's not what nachoing is. It's not ignoring the kids and certainly not to the point where you don't know who they are. You don't know their names. So stepping back doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're being mean or you're ignoring the kids to the point where you don't even acknowledge their existence. Yeah. Or neglecting Uh, them in any way. Right. Yeah. That's, that's just being mean. So I just want to make sure I reiterate that point. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point, uh, and that was not my ex husband. We have to say that yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> that was my my youngest daughter's dad. Okay, uh, so he he is not here. Right now, we wave to ex husband. Bye bye ex husband. Bye bye okay. ex husband. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's great. When David's ex, the few times that she has pulled up in the driveway, <laughs> called the police. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. It's, it's not a comfortable feeling. And so we don't have that relationship like you do and Martin do with your ex. And that's great because, I mean, he was doing, your ex was doing the happy dance in your house. I mean. Yeah, well, we we tried. I say we being, I tried. I tried. It, yeah. I, I tried to have that relationship with her early on, but she quickly you know, would turn things against me. Anything I said or done, you know, was used against me or it was twisted. So any attempts there was to, to try to, you know, let's, let's maintain some type of decency and friendship so that the kids can benefit from that, that she had no interest in that. Yeah. My ex either. We've had our ups and downs. We have had our ups and downs and now we're in a good place. And our oldest daughter, she graduated Tugstudenten is called here in Sweden, uh, and uh, and her dad was here, and we had a party, and so so we're in a good place now. But it hasn't always been like that. But yeah. we're in a good place now. Yeah, we can. I mean, we can have, for example, if we had a party, as long as it's somewhere neutral, we're okay. But like, I don't want them in my house. <laughs> no, I think this house has been like uh, more more of a. Mutual place. Since the most of the kids live here full time now, and their dad is always welcome, and uh, I think we have come to an understanding that this is it. Yes, yeah. Martin is here to stay, and but it had to take. We have another very wise woman who has written books here in Sweden, and she told us when we started doing this podcast in 2017, she said, "Oh well, to set a family, a blended family, it will take." approximately five to seven years. And we just, what? Mm-hmm. But yep. it was <laughs> Six years is just good enough. Yeah, we heard the same thing. I don't know where that statistic comes from, that it takes about seven years to blend. And David and I are very competitive. And when we heard that, we're like, shoot, we're going to knock this out in two. <laughs> yeah, we about knocked it out completely in two. Yeah, I mean, we, we thought we knew what we were getting into. And we... We absolutely did not. Well, because we prepared. We didn't go into it blind, but I don't know that. Well, we did go into it blind, even though we had prepared to go into it not blind. Yeah. You know, there's the there's the book knowledge. Like, we read the books, and then there's the life happens to you knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Maria, I have to ask you, when, say, your kid doesn't do a chore or they do something wrong— and Martin corrects them. 
Does that bother you? Yes. <laughs> but I know it's uh, I have given him the authority to do that. So I I have to suck it up. Yes, yeah, suck <laughs> it up. Eat my sandwich. But yeah. Sometimes it's like when he says things to my children it's like it's it's a meaner tone. Yeah, it's like critique to me, but but no, uh, he is a good parent so he doesn't yell at them or anything. He can nag them though, but but, but I'm actually very mild, I think. I, I mean, like you said, I never raise my very voice. Naggy. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but, but even, I mean that might be a problem sometimes that the kids doesn't listen to me because I don't want to be angry. I I want to be reasonable and and just ask them isn't it better that you go and brush your teeth now otherwise you have to go to the dentist and and so forth and and maybe sometimes that's the wrong method <laughs> we are sometimes making a joke about there are two methods uh, uh, i see if i can say it in english low effective <laughs> and passive aggressive Martin mm. is low, effective, passive, aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it, I, I don't have to be emotional about telling one of the kids that please make the dishes. Mm -hmm. you, you promised that earlier today. So, but then they think it's more of a passive aggressive. Maybe I say it in, in a way because I don't want to yell. They just ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, I think for me the problem is sometimes that i feel the need to discipline more because often you than think, Maria. you think that i don't discipline yeah yes i'm a bit quicker sometimes and that would be better if it i was a biological father then mm -hmm. yeah we have done that switch that david was talking about earlier it has switched so martin is more strict than i am <laughs> it's interesting because David's kids would do things and I'm thinking, why isn't he disciplining them? But he didn't see it as them doing anything wrong. Mm. So for instance, with my son, sometimes I'll say Jackson and he'll say what? And I know David's thinking you're letting him say what to you instead of ma'am. <laughs> but sometimes it bothers me and sometimes it doesn't. But if David jumped in and said, you say ma'am to your mama, then I'd be like, I didn't have a problem with him saying what. Mm. So so why do you have a problem with it? So a lot of times the step parent will view things that the step kids are doing as disrespectful when the bio parent doesn't. Mm. I can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think Maria brought up a very good point too, that there are times when you can say something to a step kid and the biological parent hears or feels something different. So when you're telling the stepkid, you need to go brush your teeth or you're going to have to go to the dentist, sometimes the biological parent feels like, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job telling them to brush their teeth. Yeah. And so it makes you feel like it's almost a personal attack. Like you're not doing good enough, so I have to step in. Mm -hmm. And that's not, you know, that's, that's a terrible way to feel. Yeah, I can relate to that too. <laughs> yeah. By the way, do you follow just your own kids to the dentist or to school meetings or is that outside the natural kids? I never took David's kids to the dentist. 
mainly. Neither did their mom. I had to do all that. Teethless, though. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, it goes back to the whole thing of, of what causes you stress. If, if her taking them to the dentist is, you know, she's not stressed about it. It's not a negative interaction uh, for them or the kids to do that, then she can absolutely do that. But if it's going to be something where the, the, it's going to be a negative experience, you know, they're going to get in a you know, fuss or fight on the way to the dentist or things like that. Then I want to remove her from that situation. You know, I never really took David's kids to the dentist or the doctors because I worked out of town. So it, mm. it made more sense for him to take them. But there were times when my son would call from school when he was sick and David would go get him just because it made more sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have to drive an hour home, get my son, and there was no need to go back to work after that because it would be another hour drive, whereas David was 15 minutes down the road. Yeah, so logistically it, it worked out. But also I had a good relationship with him. If If our relationship would have been strained, then I would have said, I don't care that you have to drive an hour to get off work. I'm not going to get him because me and him are going to get into a, a fuss or a fight, and then it's going to cause other problems. And I don't want to be in that situation, but mm, sure. you know, it, it was never that way with us. And so me going to get him, or even sometimes I even took him to some of his appointments mm-hmm. when I couldn't. Yeah. And so it just never was, we, we just had a very different relationship. And, and again, it was because of, number of factors, one being that he was so young when we first met, and then, you know, other one being that I'm so awesome. Or maybe yeah. my, maybe it's because my kid's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, well. So there, there is a choice in not showing, really. So you not show when you are in a stressful situation or in a stressful relationship between the step-parent and the step-child. Right. Yes. If, if you think about, like, for example, what you guys did, I think in some ways you probably instituted some of what we, you know, do in our nachoing method, which is you allowed Martin to build some type of relationship first with the kids through positive interactions and things like that. So that when year, you know, two, three, four, when those came around and he started becoming uh, more involved in that parental role, they had a relationship with him and they had respect for him and there wasn't as much pushback and things like that. Again, that's kind of what we're, we're going for is build the relationship first. It's not like where you get a job and when you walk into a job day one, your boss man is telling you what to do and you understand that. Now you don't have a relationship with him, but you understand he or she is going to tell you what to do and you're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. That might function okay in a job role, but really even in a job, you do more for the person you're working for when you have a good relationship with them. Yeah. I think that is our common ground because we always say that uh, to people that we try to guide, like in our way, we say you have to build a relationship first and then you can be a parent. You have to put money in the bank, we said, before you spend it. Yep, yes. Exactly. And, and that's that's where a lot of people make the mistake is they do it backwards. They come in and they start trying to do things before there is a relationship. And, and there's a lot of problems to that. Not only is there not a relationship with the kids, but oftentimes a blended family relationship tends to move faster. Like, for example, my first marriage, I dated 
her for like six years before we got married. With Lori, we dated a year. Mm. And so it moves a lot faster. And so even with me and Lori getting married uh, after a year, we still had to have time that we built our relationship. Mm -hmm. And that takes, in and of itself, takes time to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes time for David to realize, hey, Lori's telling my kids this because she loves them not because she's trying to take over or not because she's picking on my kids. Because a lot of times that's how it comes across is, oh, my God, she's complaining about my kids again. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I met the kids a lot during our first six months of dating before we moved in together. Mm -hmm. And then another six months after that, we got engaged. Mm -hmm. And then we got married two years ago. Yeah. Right. And I did go to the, like the kids' volleyball games, basketball games, things like that. Not all of them, but I went to the majority of them. And I know they appreciated that because I remember probably the first game I didn't go to, one of them looked at me and he's like, you're not going? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, eh, it's going to be late. And I didn't want to keep Jackson up too late because, again, he was younger. And he was, oh, okay. But what's funny is – you know, these were kids that used to come in the door and I would say, hey, good to see you. Hope you had fun at your mom's, whatever. And they would ignore me to they were running the door. Lori, Lori, we got to tell you something. Nice. It was night and day. And that's we're thankful that we went through that because it has helped us help other blended families, just like your story is helping you help other blended families. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure, too, that my kids understood that relationships are not something to just throw away. No, I mean, that's the most important thing that we have in life. And and we always also try to focus on the mental health, so to speak, that if you have a happy child, then, I mean, what does it matter if how it looks, <laughs> no, and how it looks on the room if it's uh, chaos. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're, if you're only happy and, and feel well, I mean, nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they say happy wife, happy life, but it's the same thing <laughs> yeah. about your kids. That is very important, <laughs> very important. Yeah, everybody has to be happy. Otherwise, you know, if I'm super happy and Lori's not, then that's not good for for her and eventually it'll end up being not good for me same way around if she's the only one happy and I'm not eventually it won't be good for her either because people are going to look for happiness somewhere else Mm -hmm. that's true you have to find that balance well I guess we need to wrap up or we will keep talking to you forever so how can people find y'all well we have a Facebook community it's called bonus familianas discussionsgrupp but um. it's, it's sweet, <laughs> so it might be it might be hard to follow. Uh, but we have at least one other episode of the podcast in English, and it was with a bonus mom coach, Charmaine Broom. Yeah, yes. yeah, listen so, to that one. Yes, uh, and so uh, feel free to listen to that. Uh, and uh, as we say, we are happy to have you as our guests, and I hope uh, that your listeners can uh, feel some inspiration from our own different uh, method, as if. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's important to understand no matter where you live in the world, step families struggle. It is, it's hard 
And also, no matter where you are, there are people out there that are trying to help. And so it's important to understand you're not alone and there are resources. And so figure out who those resources are that resonate with you and your in your issues and, and then go to those people and, and get help from them. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can copy that. You mm-hmm. are so right. Thank you, Laurie and David. And all the best in the fu- future and uh, a big uh, hello from us to your five sons. <laughs> well, thank you. And it was great speaking with you and we hope to talk to you later and we wish you and your kids all the best and a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, yes, and we will say that in Swedish for your listeners. Okay. God jul och gott nytt år. Wow, that's a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. David, I'd like to go to Sweden. <laughs> that is not how they talk. I know that's not how they talk, but that's how <laughs> my Swedish accent is. <laughs> that's because you get it from the Muppet Show. I don't remember the Muppet Show being in Sweden. It's not, but they had the Swedish baker dude on there. And that's how he would talk. He'd be like, I'm going to make a little thing today for the show. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. So, yeah, if if you've never seen that, you know, check it out on YouTube. But, you know, back in the day, gosh, it was probably, what, the late 70s, early 80s on the Muppet show. (laughs) So Google Muppet Chef. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably come up. And he was the Swedish chef. Uh, But, you know, the other thing that fascinates me about them is I think this is like the second time they've done like an English speaking episode. Yeah. That's, it's crazy, which, you know, I would say everybody go listen to their podcast, but unless you could understand Swedish, then you might not understand most of the episodes. Yeah. But certainly if you're in Sweden or understand uh, that language, go check them out. Yeah. Or join their Facebook group, which he says the name of, and I cannot repeat it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just fascinating. I mean, to think that, you know, people can do that, um, speaking different languages like that, just kind of, hey, let's just do it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's good for them to practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I have some employees that are, they're bilingual, and, you know, just... No matter how terrible they do in English, I'm always thinking, but I can't speak your language. <laughs> so you're still doing great. Yeah. I remember when we were going to Germany with a place I worked and everybody was making fun of me because I was doing the Duolingo app. And I was like, I'm going to know what I'm eating. <laughs> and I'm going to know what people are saying. And y'all aren't. And we would go to restaurants and my boss would go, what's this mean? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. You made fun of me. Yeah. Yeah, that was like when we were... When I went to Japan, you know, I tried to do the Duolingo thing. <laughs> that that was tough. Like, I don't know what it is about Asian languages, but that that was really difficult. And basically, I just learned enough to be able to say, you know, thank you and where's the bathroom and, <laughs> and give me some water or something like that. It was just really basic stuff. But it's mm-hmm. amazing that once you're there... And you might remember this when you were in Germany, but once you're there and you're immersed in it, it's almost like you pick up things really quick. Yeah, but also Germans, their predominant language outside of German, of course, is English. A Mm. lot of the businesses require that employees speak English. So it was rare that we ran across people that didn't speak English. 
Well, I think unless unless it's changed, I do think English is kind of the universal business language. I think they've kind of adopted it as that. Well, thank God it's not something else or we'd be screwed. Yeah. Too bad it's not South Carolina English. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Over yonder? Yeah. What you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over yonder. I remember um, I had done some training in Maryland one year, and I was teaching people how to use this new system. And I said, right here in the column that says amount due, they were like, what? I said, amount due. And they're like, due? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, amount due, D-U-E. And they're like, that is not how you pronounce that. I'm like, it is. They said, no, it's due. I'm like, no, that's D-O. <laughs> <laughs> so here we've got people from Maryland and me from South Carolina arguing about how to pronounce D-U-E. Mm, did you win? No. There's a bunch of Marylanders in there. Marylanders? Yeah. So my nickname became Dew. Hey, Dew. <laughs> Not surprisingly. Yeah, it's funny. And, it, it, you know, the the funny part, too, is when you live in an area, like we're here, and we sometimes hear people that are more... Um, Southernese. Yeah. I mean, they like their level of... Backwoods speak is is more than ours, and then 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 they were like, "Oh my gosh, good lord, listen to this person." <laughs> but you know what? Those are always the people, though, that somehow seem to make it on the news to represent your state. <laughs> that is so true. I know my aunt married a guy, and her name was Mary, and he'd say Murray, and I'm like, "Why does he call her Murray?" <laughs> But that was just his backwoods accent. Yeah, he used to he used to kill me. Like every time there was a natural disaster, they would always find this trailer park with this woman that still had her hair in rollers. <laughs> you know, like chewing on beef jerky. <laughs> yeah, and she and uh, I'm I'm from Lancaster, and that doggone tornado come tearing through here, and it was slinging cats and dogs everywhere. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I'm sure every town kind of has that deal where it's like the 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 person that least represents the general population is the one that ends up making it on the news. <laughs> yeah. Makes me think of that. Um, oh, what's that lady? Something brown. Remember the uh, one? Sugar brown? Sweet yeah. sugar? Sweet, sweet, sweet brown. brown something? Yeah. I ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. I know. That was hilarious. That is hilarious. I, it yeah. still makes me laugh. Yeah, but whoever turned that into a song, they did a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, they should get some kind of royalties. Yeah. And then you have the other lady um, that did it. Um, hers wasn't, nobody got time for that. Hers was that, um, not today. <laughs> <laughs> Your sister showed us that one. Yeah. <laughs> she does it so good. Yeah, but it's it's funny how... People get so animated and and stuff on when the when you take that news camera in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is <laughs> all animated. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, folks. I guess that's it for today. All right, good deal. So David can go rest. I know. I need to. My eyes are heavy. I know you look like you're stoned. <laughs> I don't think my eyes have been clear for all, like a week. They've just been bloodshot for a week. Yeah. <sighs> 
All right, y'all, stay healthy, stay safe, and David, do your thing. All righty, folks, that is our show for today, and thanks for listening, and remember that life is always good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.